You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about nico chelsea girl uh in the room i have sean Hi. grady Hello. ben john and Hello. adam uh chelsea girl is the debut solo album and second studio album by nico it was released in october 1967 by verb records the name of the album is uh, a reference to andy warhol's 1966 film chelsea girls in which nico starred it was produced by tom wilson and the genre is folk pop chamber folk and I'm going to read from the book, Mary Bukovalis. Famous for her work with the Velvet Underground and infamous for her list of lovers, including Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, and Brian Jones, Nico finally went solo with 1967's Chelsea Girl. The material came from some of the finest songwriters of the era, including Bob Dylan, Tim Harding, and an unknown Jackson Brown, and the Velvet Underground's Lou Reed, Sterling Morrison, and John Cale. But though the material was not self-composed, uh, Chelsea Girl proves an ample confirmation of Nico's originality and potential. Her magical vocals are ethereal yet me- mesmerizing. The sparse folksy instrumentation includes flute, electronic viola, marimba, guitar, cello, and harmonium. The tracks have a haunting, alluring quality, particularly on the evocation scenery. These days, I'll keep it with mine. Elsewhere, the Morrison Reed title track references the life of the scenesters at Andy Warhol's New York factory. The public <clears throat> were underprepared for Nico's experimental art rock masterpieces and their melancholy ambience, and the album made little impression upon its release. What do we think of Chelsea Girl? I love it. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, you're wrong. <laughs> it's got two things you mix together, which I don't like. Chamber music and folk music. <laughs> okay. And then you add in Nico, which I actually like her voice. Uh, it's not what you would consider a traditionally uh, sonically pleasing voice. Um, and she's not necessarily always on key. Uh, but I liked her. My favorite thing about the album was her voice and her delivery. Uh, but they layer over just a shit ton of flute and strings. Which she didn't want. Which she didn't want, but it came out anyway. Yeah. And I heard it, and I didn't like it. Yeah, there, there are parts of the instrumentation or the orchestration that I, I do not like. There are lots of parts that I that I do. The sort of the this, can you not hear me? Sorry. Uh, the, the the more sparse, like the the harmonium and and, and all that. Um, it certainly sets the stage for so much to come from there, and and for that alone, it deserves a place in this book. It's not my. Can you no. explain the harmonium to me? 
Yes. I'm, not, I'm not sure I understand. I can do it. Sure. So it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> it it runs. It works off tape loops. So, no, it's a mellotron. Oh, I'm thinking of a mellotron. That is a mellotron. A harmonium isn't that just some sort of an organ? Aren't we just talking about air blowing through is reeds? It does have the like? That's pump. a pump organ. Let's double check this. So I use mellotrons and pump organs like on like everything, mm. but harmonium. David just used one. A on. harmonium is a pump organ. <laughs> is that a type of pump organ? And or? it's also similar to a melodeon. Is it what we're hearing right now in the intro to Little Sister on it's our a headphones? It's type so. of okay. free read organ that generates sound as air flows past a vibrating okay. piece of thin metal in a frame. The piece okay. of metal is called a reed. Oh, so reed. it's just like one of the is it just like one of those little air organs. So it's it's yeah. not air blowing through pipes. It's air blowing through reeds. Okay, okay. like one of those it, ones you can. But like, it's a type of pump organ. It's a free reed organ that generates sound as air flows past a vibrating thin, uh, b- past a reed. Well, yeah, pump sorry, sorry to get off topic. You got that all <laughs> yeah, listeners? Okay, so yeah, we use a lot of those. Um, this record, yeah. I it's interesting hearing a lot of like arrangement comments. I, I like the arrangements a lot. I think they're really creative. I like the lack of traditional... Um, like rock instruments and like there's occasionally like a finger picking guitar kind of thing going but for the most part I, I really like the way the strings play into a lot of the songs where it'll be like sometimes it'll be just little phrases and then they'll switch out and they'll, they'll go from like bump 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 to like big long bows to like Strip down to one, like maybe it's just like a cello and a violin to like really big sound with the, embellished with the flute. I have to say, I, I think the arrangements are for the most part really creative and cool. I'm but, learning from this book that Tom Wilson's a cool motherfucker. <laughs> he, uh, producer of this one, he did Zappa, he did what Simon and Garfunkel, he did Bob Dylan, like. Wow. This and they're all so different, but they're all they all have like really cool unique production elements. It seems like if you want to release a cool record in this era, Tom Wilson's your boy. Kind of seems like the the bands are like his playground. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like he he's the guy he's he's the guy that thought that Zappa and the Mothers were a blues band and then when he heard them he was like, "Oh yeah, tight." <laughs> and then dropped acid and <laughs> started <laughs> got them more money. Got yeah. them, yeah, got them more money. I didn't realize uh, it's the same guy. Um, yeah, it seemed like Verve Records was really tapping into something at the at the time there of uh, of just different artists. They wanted to be the the label um, that that had the creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, don't get me wrong, I, I do like this album. It, it's just it takes a very specific mindset. I mean, it's very calm and, and serene, sort of. Placid, and the, vo- the word they use for a voice was austere, which I, I, I think is really, mm-hmm. really accurate. Um, the flute kills me, and it was sort of what was going on at the time, but at the, sa- at the same time with all the musicians involved in the production of this and everything else, like it's, it just it seems to make it really dated uh, in, in a way. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the rest of the the instrumentation, the strings, and, and everything, I, yeah, I didn't find the flute so out of place for yeah, some reason. But she hated it, it. It's the thing she hated it, most about the record. It yeah. seems like a almost Celtic or yeah, I don't know about that. A, a, a <laughs> the, little like the flute on Little Sister Winter Song. I think it and uh, somewhere there's a feather and wrap your troubles in dreams. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, she kind of sings like a flute. She does these long notes. It's a, re- it's a reedier, yeah. She does these like long, breathy notes, 
And it's, I think the choice of, of adding it is like a higher counterpoint to her voice. And I think it's really yeah. natural. But I thought so too. Yeah, I don't know. If you huh. listen to her music outside of this, like you could see why it's not what she wanted. You yeah, know, yeah. Like she doesn't want enhancements of any kind to anything. <laughs> like, well, and I think that that her the strong the songs no could have been stronger with maybe a different choice of instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like Birch was saying, there's some Celtic elements to, to parts of it. Like Winter Song, I think could be what I wrote down was could be a rad Conan song, but the flutes <laughs> and strings are shit. Uh, so there's parts of it. There's folk elements. Like folk as folk can be good. But if you start throwing folk and chamber music and other stuff together, and sometimes it just doesn't turn out right. Well, also, I think Nico is inherently, like, a goth musician, and goth didn't exist yet. Like, she and Scott Walker both are just sure. two people who are like, you know, we have this darkness, we want to express it, and everybody around them is like, okay, cool, folk music is kind of weird. Sure. You know? And <laughs> so, so you like, can do that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. could do that. You know, like, uh-huh. punk didn't exist yet. Like, you know, so they got kind of shoehorned. There were a lot of outlets for them. To yeah, work. so, like, this is just a theory on my part, but I think, like, you know... People who would have otherwise been goth or punk musicians got shoehorned into folk, and here we have this darker. Here's room five or six. It's enough to make you sick. Bridget's all wrapped up in foil. You wonder if. She can uncoil Here they come now See them run now Here they come now Chelsea girls Punk didn't exist But the Velvet Underground did, which is something that's weird about the chronology of this book. Because we we have not yet covered Velvet Underground and Nico, which, you know, it inspired a lot, like punk and some Mm -hmm. goth stuff. And also started Nico's uh, music career. And we haven't covered it yet. We're not going to cover it for like another handful of episodes. But it was recorded a it was recorded a year before this, and it was released six months before this. And I just think it's weird, like you, it's a type of thing where you wouldn't notice it if it didn't involve the same artists. Yeah, they're they're like, both in the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if you go, if you look on like uh, like Nico's discography, you know, Velvet Underground Nico is listed before this. So why haven't we talked about it yet? It is a little a odd because yeah. like I, I I've been forgetting for a second like. I mean, which songs was she on for Velvet Underground? Because I was trying to understand the context. It makes even your your comment that she hated the flutes and she wanted like more of a rock thing. It's like, well, you, didn't you just do that? Like, you know, it's right. But she also like wasn't a band or a musician, really. Know. You know, and like you know, the Velvet Underground were a band and they made their own sound, and this sound was kind of assembled around her. And I think that she wanted a rock sound assembled that was more like what she already had yeah mm-hmm. you know and the songs that were like offered to her were folk songs you know and yeah maybe she liked them and, and chose them I don't really know but like it's just a different situation I think right. I think the songs on the album I think the songs are strong and can we talk about how 19 year old Jackson Brown 
not only wrote the first two songs of this, but also is he wrote dating. These days. He wrote these days oh, and the first of the seasons. And he was dating, and, and he's dating together. Nico, who's more than ten years older than him. He's ah. This nineteen-year-old kid just. <laughs> Dating an international <laughs> model slash I, I was thinking about this about yeah. musician Just swinging pipe around his high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please use that phrase more. Uh, uh. No, but I think Nico is actually a really good example of how like female artists, you know, like with with men, we're often trying to separate the art from the artist because a lot of male rock and roll artists are creeps, and we know that, and we're trying to figure out how to like reconcile it. And people don't think about that as much with women. And Nico was a really troubled person who did a lot of fucked up shit. You know, and like we don't ever really question whether or not we still value her art, which I do, and I, you know, huge fan. But like she, you know, had some race issues, which we discussed not recording, and you know, like drug problems. She obviously like was dating people who were way too young for her, which was a common thing for men to do, and we just don't ever really talk about her or think about it. And yeah, I did not. Yeah, it's just interesting that Nico uh, doesn't really care about being a lady, nor should she. I did uh, the very closing line of this book is that in an attempt to further like justify or validate this album I made sure to mention that, that this album was included on the soundtrack and m- multiple songs were included on the soundtrack for Royal Tenenbaum yeah so, yeah like, yeah. like that somehow it, like, it cemented its place yeah and I mean like I will say that's that's like my number one association if, you know, in the last like whatever 20 years whatever since Royal Tenenbaums came out I I immediately am transported into a colorful Wes Anderson world. <laughs> but isn't that weird how this makes it kind of twee and Nico's anything but twee? Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, but those movies, uh, you know, I mean, that's a different discussion. But, like, twee is, like, maybe not totally fair. It's, it's externally the, twee, the, internally dark. The aesthetic, yes, yeah. the visual aesthetic Which is, is twee. Nico, yeah, right? yeah. The visual aesthetic <laughs> is twee and, the, and it's dealing with dark subject matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they're pretty similar. I think they're, like... Counterpoint. Drake but. covered these days. Oh, really? Did? Yeah. God. I need to know yeah. more about that. It's, it's a pretty straight cover too. I need to really? know less yeah. of that. <laughs> so I'm curious. I wrote down a couple things that I just wanted to talk about. Uh, wow. There was something. Well, one the the song we're listening to right now is the, the very droney kind Raga. of yeah, very interesting droney, and I thought that was. I hadn't really heard this before, obviously because of Velvet Underground. They get into that more droning uh, guitar tone and sound and stuff. So I thought it was. Is this, this, is, this is like this is the this one song is it again. was a pleasure then? What song is yes. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is the one I wrote down was the gothiest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. which this, this is awesome. the one that she did with like Sterling Morrison and Lou Reed and John Cale. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's those four. Yeah. So we hear all the guitar noise stuff coming through later. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that was like this is the beginning of that sort of like arty like drone feedback and people doing that sort of like spacey thing with with guitars at this moment. You know, Um, not not that Jimi Hendrix and some other people weren't doing similar things, but this is a very minimal like Mm -hmm. version of that. Also, the way she pronounces her words, I found. I always find so intriguing because it's a form a sort of pronunciation of how she forms words. And I always think that's, it's, it's I, I think the way that I would through. describe her pronunciation of words, which may just fit to what it is, is it's a native German speaker speaking English who is partially deaf. Hmm. 
Hmm. Which, oh, is yeah. all, which are all facts about yeah, Nico. Yeah, those are all facts. So if you were like, oh, what does that sound like? It sounds like a person who's partially deaf trying to speak English who used to speak German. Mouth forward. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. sort of almost chewing the words. Some all. thicker vowel sounds. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's got character, and I think that's the, one of the funny things about music that we sometimes forget, which is just that sometimes just something that sounds different, different is fresh. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and we we get excited by that, and like... I mean, this is a perfect example of, like, she's she isn't a great singer. Like, she has pitch problems, or you, if you choose to say that's a problem. I mean, we've co- we've covered Dylan already. I know, but you know what I mean. Like, the point is, like, she's not a spot on like pitch perfect singer, um, but she has so much character that she really gets away with a, a lot, and. And in fact, like you know, other people are have written these songs, uh, and create and produced this record and created this music around her, because she has something that you can't reproduce. She has character, like she has a quality in her voice and in her singing style that is just weird. And so other people are like, "That's weird. I want to work with it." Yeah. And I think that's I think that's fascinating about what makes us interested as listeners is that like she doesn't bring as much to this record as like you know we were talking about nina simone a while back and nina brings everything to the table yeah everything you can have as a musician is brought to the table and then here you have nico another record that i like and she's just bringing the character and that's kind of it like the singing and the character what is this and page flipping what's going on and i just think that's fascinating You know, that like that's enough for all these people to want to work with her yeah. and, and produce an interesting cool album. see what everybody thinks i'm on the positive i think that she definitely within this album she brings a certain character to all these different songs from different writers and great playing some experimental stuff which i thought was cool and yeah she's kind of goth which i tend to like that that sort of own like minimal trance like vocal quality almost like echoey and haunting if you want to say that kind of thing so yeah positive for me I, too, am very positive. Um, I just, I mean, it's like raw melancholy in a way that, like, nobody was really trying to temper, even. Even, like, her positive songs are so lonesome. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's great. Like, it just feels really good to listen to. I've never, I've been listening to this album for, you know, I don't know, how old am I? <laughs> I've been listening to it for about half my life, and I've never been tired of it. It's a positive for me, certainly. Um, both on a personal and a, I just, I, 
I, I know what went into this and what, what came out of this. Um, it's not one of my regular listens. There are certain aspects, again, that I, I don't like as much. But overall, it's a, it's a, it's a great album. No question. Uh, positive for me. Uh, Nico's really grown on me over the years. She went from being my least favorite part of Velvet Underground to being... You know, when... When I when I first bought Velvet Underground and Nico, I was eighteen, and I bought it because I was living in the dorms, and I liked music. And I'm like, well, this, you're supposed to go out and buy Velvet Underground, Velvet Underground, and Nico when you're eighteen. You're living in the dorms, and you like music. I didn't know that much about it going into it, and I didn't hate the Nico parts of it, but. It was my least favorite parts of that record upon first listen. And over the years, you know, I've, I've warmed up to her parts of that one. And, uh, like, her first solo effort here, I I like it, too. Like, uh, she she's really grown on me over the years. I see what she brings to the table. And uh, Chelsea Girl gets a positive for me. Surprise! It's a negative for me. Um, yeah, where'd that come from? Um, I feel the same way about this album as Nico does, apparently, which is that I don't like the flutes and the strings that were overlaid. Um, I was not that familiar with her work, um, but I appreciated her voice and what she could have done with it and how she could have delivered these songs and, and tried her best to, but uh, was kind of ruined by the way they... Uh, orchestrated it, um, so it's a no for me. I give it a positive. Um, I do think that there's songs at the end of the record have like too many repetitions, and it gets kind of tedious because the record has sort of a samey kind of quality going on for a, a big percentage of it, and her voice is so similar in delivery and. And like, there's just not a lot of variety of what she does. Um, so I think like it could, I mean, I like the record a lot because the songs that I like, I like quite a bit and I like the general mood, but, uh, I mean, like, I just, I don't think John is a hundred percent wrong about some of his criticisms. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, even just because I like it doesn't mean that like, I don't agree with some of the things he said. <laughs> Uh, There's some shenanigans going on right now. Got any Nico facts, John? Oh, yeah. Uh, Nico facts. Um, She was a professional model. She was a model very, very young in life, somewhere around 15, 16 years old. She's already said partially deaf. Um, She was part of the Andy Warhol crowd, and that's kind of how she became famous. Uh, What else? I don't know much about the racist part, but I'm not happy to hear about it. Um, (laughs) That all died really well, I believe, too. She what? died really well. Yeah, she was biking. She died on a bicycle. She yeah. fell off and they determined she had a brain aneurysm. Oh, she had a, she was on vacation with her son in Ibiza. Yeah. And according to her son, her adult son, yeah. she told him she was going to bike into town to buy some weed. And on the short bike ride, they later determined she had a heart attack and fell off the bike and hit her head. But when they found her, they thought it was heat stroke because it was the middle of July. And so she was like, wearing a big scarf. Yeah, she was wearing a <laughs> scarf around her head. So they were treating her for heat stroke, and she died of a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. But she passed fairly quickly? I think, like, that day. 
I mean, that's not that she bad. She was also like a heroin addict for like 15 years. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah. of all the ways she could have died, that's not that bad. Oh, yeah. weed run. That's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, chasing she, your kids we, in the garden. Weed kills everybody. She, oh, there you go. <laughs> Finally evidence. The yeah. last, she was a heroin addict for like 15 years. She cleaned up a few years before she died. I love that uh, she... Uh, you know, was able to kick heroin, but not racism. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, something... No one <laughs> kicks racism. I don't care who you are. Racism's not one of those things that like, goes away with I know. age. Yeah. <laughs> if you were a Confederate general, you were a Confederate general. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Nico was a Confederate general. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. No so... statues for you, Nico. Yeah. Oh, actually, that would be kind of neat to have a Nico statue. Nope. I'm going to paint it orange if that's the case. But, that's, that's fair. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Never band heard of it. By the Beatles. <laughs> I thought it was by the Lonely Hearts Club band. All right. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Do I really have a hand in my forgetting?